The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that we are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Jesus' presence in your life and is mind is the way of the cross. And his way alone can lead us through this life, whatever circumstances, for better or for worse, that we may find ourselves in through death itself into the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Along this way of the cross, we've watched Jesus face the devil and defeat him in order to deliver us from evil. We've met a religious man named Nicodemus, an outcast Samaritan woman at the well, a broken man born blind, and last week the grieving family of a dead man named Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha. As we enter into this final week of the Way of the Cross, we call it Holy Week. We titled this final sermon in the series, Jesus and the Crowds. Now in many versions of the English Bible, the words of Jesus are, are printed in red in order to draw your attention to them. But there are no red letters in today's lesson. And yet it is Jesus' silence that will speak volumes to us today. The crowds in Jerusalem have gathered for the annual celebration of the Old Festival Testament of Passover, which was in fact the high point of their life together. It was the reenactment, the reliving, the retelling of God's mighty rescue of their ancestors enslaved in Egypt for 400 years through the simple act of killing a lamb and smearing its blood around the doorpost of their homes. And so for this feast, this celebration, people came to Jerusalem from all over the civilized world and the city's population swelled to many times its normal number. Now as I was trying to picture it, this image from a popular series of children's books came to mind. Where's Waldo? 
It's a series of stories that engage the readers, both children and adults, in search for one single character named Waldo, dressed in red and white striped sweaters with a red and white striped stocking cap on, who is always hidden somewhere in plain sight right in the middle of the crowd. So I'd like to use that image this morning to inspire each of you to search for yourself in the crowd that surrounded Jesus on Palm Sunday. Look for yourself and join your voice to theirs crying out, Hosanna, which literally means God save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come and be our Savior and our king. Now perhaps one of the ways to search this crowd in order to find ourselves, to see our savior and king, Jesus, is to simply project ourselves back into the characters that we've met so far on this way of the cross. So let's ask, where's Nicodemus? Where's the outcast woman at the well? Where's the man born blind? Where are Mary and Martha and Lazarus? Where are you? Where is Nicodemus? I have confessed to you my affinity with him as we've gone through this series. He is a religious leader. He's a member of a group called the Pharisees. They were devout, Bible-believing, go to synagogue every Sabbath, hardworking, morally conservative people that longed for the nation to turn back to faithful living and true worship of the one true God. You see, I, like Nicodemus, maybe you do too, believe that our beloved Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, has the pure doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ revealed in the scriptures and explained in the confessions contained in the book of Concord. And and I sincerely believe That there must be some strategic plan for St. Luke's, for other congregations, for the 35 districts of our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, for the Synod at large as a whole to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to live out that gospel in such a way that the kingdom of God, which is the world put right, right now through faith in him and forever when Jesus comes again, can become a reality in our midst and be a beacon to our nation. So, maybe if we aligned ourselves with the right political party, maybe if we adapt ourselves to the divide and conquer culture that we are living in and simply rip one another to shreds on the internet, Maybe if we look and took a harder line and spoke more vehemently from this pulpit and passionately against the social evils that we so desperately fear. I don't know, maybe if we just killed Jesus 
and abandoned the way of the cross and seized control of our own lives, we could finally find what we are looking for, or maybe not. Where's Nicodemus? He and I, and and perhaps you too, are in desperate need of rescue. We cry out, Hosanna, God save us from the delusion that worldly power and might will give us control and come be our suffering Savior and our resurrected King. Where's the woman at the well? Well, maybe not in Jerusalem at all, given the prejudice and the racial tension between Jews and Samaritans. But I don't know, who knows, maybe the encounter with Jesus that had transformed her life and spread from her throughout her village had inspired a a few of them to come down and celebrate the Passover. She was a person who was caught in a cycle of self-loathing. Outcast from her community because of her life experience that had caused her to adopt a lifestyle of looking for love in all of the wrong places. Five husbands and the one she was currently living with was not her husband. Maybe if we just lightened up a little bit. Maybe if we get rid of the word sin. Or at least stop using it to refer to what other people are doing while ignoring our own. Maybe if we surrender the idea of right and wrong completely and just let everybody decide for themselves what's best for them. I mean, maybe if we just stomped on a few, okay, all of the Pharisees in this world, we would be better off. Maybe if we just keep medicating ourselves with our addictions to alcohol or the substance of your choice or work or the insatiable need to accumulate more and more. Where is the woman at the well? Well, she and maybe you too are in desperate need of rescue. To cry out, Hosanna, God, save us from our addictive, self-destructive patterns of life and come be our suffering Savior and our resurrected King. Where is the man born blind? His blindness and his miraculous healing revealed Jesus as true God seeking to break into our lives and open our eyes. His a literal blindness, ours a spiritual blindness, failing to recognize and to see that Jesus and the way of the cross is the only way to real resurrection life. And that blindness comes in all shapes and sizes, from Nicodemus, the religious man on the one hand, to the woman at the well, the social outcast on the other hand, and everything in between. Listen, in a culture that believes and promotes as the American dream progressive self-improvement that all you have to do is do, do, do more, try harder, 
Some are blinded by their success, like Nicodemus. Others are blinded by their failure, like the woman at the well. And Jesus sends all of us to wash our eyes in the water of our baptism that our sight might be restored daily. Where is the blind man? He and you and I are groping around in the darkness in desperate need of rescue. And so we cry out, Hosanna, God save us. Open our eyes to our suffering Savior and our resurrected King. Where's Martha? Where's Mary? Where's Lazarus? In Martha, we saw our need, no, our expectation that God must somehow explain himself to us in order for us to truly trust in him. In Mary, we witnessed the black hole of emotional despair that longs for God to come and be our lawn-mowing parent who goes ahead of us and cuts down any and all obstacles to us living easily and happily ever after. The only person in last week's episode on the way of the cross who had no objections, had no obstacles to believing that Jesus is the only source of life was the dead man. If only we could become like Lazarus. And hear the words, come out of your grave. And hear again Jesus' words, unbind them and let them go. And strip off our grave clothes, set free from sin, set free from death. Hearts awakened to the power of life in Christ. Well, wait, what's that verse in Romans 6? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Where are Mary and and Martha and Lazarus? All of us. In desperate need of rescue, and we cry out, Hosanna, God, save us again. Call us from our rotting tombs of control and addiction and blindness and intellectual and emotional need. Come be our suffering Savior and our resurrected King. Jesus comes to save. Only not in the way of power and might, but in the way of the cross. A quote from a commentator reads like this. Jesus does not enter Jerusalem on a war horse, which would have whipped the political aspirations of the vast crowds into insurrectionist frenzy. Can I read that again? Jesus did not come into Jerusalem on a war horse which would have whipped the political aspirations of the vast crowds into insurrectionist frenzy. But he chooses to present himself as the king who comes in peace, gentle, and riding on a donkey. 
Fear not are such powerful words for us to cling to. For God is working out his plan of salvation for us and for this world in a surprising way. And what follows this week on Monday, Thursday, Jesus' Last Supper and his disciples with his disciples and his subsequent arrest, and then on Good Friday, his trial and his execution, people. It is the greatest sting operation ever perpetrated on an evil villain. Jesus will silently take all of the misguided pharisaical attempts to seize control, all of the foolish search for love and meaning and purpose in all of the wrong places, all of the spiritual blindness, all of our demands for answers, all of the wishful thinking that life could be free from suffering and pain, all of the objections and all of the obstacles to believing that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, he takes it all into himself and it will kill him. And then when it looks like the enemy has won, when Jesus is taken down from the cross and laid in a tomb, the sting, the trap has been sprung and he rises again from the dead. In the verses immediately following this Old Testament quotation from Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9, after the promise of the coming of this gentle king, God further promises this. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. The way of the cross leads us to Easter, to resurrection, to the power of life in Christ, a life of freedom and joy and sacrifice and renewal. Oh, that what the Pharisees feared might happen could actually start happening here at St. Luke's. That the whole world would go after Jesus on the way of the cross to the resurrection. What might that look like? Families committed to the faith development of parents and children alike as the highest priority above all else, above good grades, above sports, above accumulating more stuff. Neighbors knowing each other well enough to actually help one another when there is a need. Community leaders and churches partnering together to solve the social issues in our own community. Spirit-saturated believers who are freely sharing their God stories with one another without hesitation. Less abuse, less addiction, less divorce, less abandonment. More peace, more joy, more spiritual security versus social security. More time talking with other believers about your faith. More time in God's word and in prayer. An increase in my giving of my time and my talent and my treasures 
to do the work of God's kingdom, which is the world put right. Oh, and with all of that and more, don't forget that Jesus also said, an increase in resistance and even persecution from a world that rejects this gentle Savior and resurrected King and his way of the cross. In just a few minutes, Jesus is going to come again quietly and gently into our midst, in, with, and under the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper. And as we gather here around him, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we will sing the words of today's lesson, Hosanna, which is God save us. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, and be our suffering Savior and our resurrected King. And hear again these words. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold... Your king is coming. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in this true faith, the life everlasting.